Hi! So I wanted to make a little intro just to quickly introduce today's video. Uh, it was shot, I just took six weeks off posting. This was shot just before that, that, uh, that break. And in my break, I realized what I haven't been doing, which is what I always used to do, which is important because um, for, for me, that one thing you guys could do for me if you like what I'm doing, which is really easy, really easy. See, there's a little button down there on Rumble that says follow. Just hit that. Just go and hit. Go. I'll wait, and you just go and hit that. If you like me, if you don't like me, also do it because it's a massive help. It's a massive help to me to to for you to be following me on Rumble. And I haven't said it on any of the videos. And someone said to me recently, "Wait, you never ask people to do that." And I, it's important for um, creators to 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 mention that and to have a like a little, you know, what would you say? I, it's, it's weird. I got into the habit when I was doing YouTube before they took my channel away, which is another reason it's important to follow down there to, before they took my channel away. I was really good at telling people about the subscribe and I realized something happened and I stopped doing it. So uh, I feel like I owe it to myself and to the team and to everyone that's helping me make this to, uh, yeah, say, drop us a follow. It's a massive help and it's free and it's easy and it's free and it's easy and it's just down there and go and tickle it, go and, go and give it a poke. Here we go with today's video. It's about my Hollywood story. Why are you even talking about American stuff? You're not even American. Why are you? You can't even vote. Why are you even saying what you think about the presidential the presidential election? You're not even American. You can't even vote. Actually, actually, I am. Actually, actually, I am. And look, here at the Absolute Truth, I do my own little snappy thing. See, see, this is uh, this is how we run things here. This is me doing a slip. Look at me, very professional. Vacuum cleaner's back. Um, Annabelle suggested I put little eyes on it, and I'm thinking that's probably a good idea. We need a need a name. What? Okay, in the comments, what would you call my new vacuum cleaner buddy? And I've got shorts on. What should this guy's name be? Our co-host. Annabelle said I should put googly eyes on him, but I need a name, a name and a point of view. Perhaps he could be like a woke, liberal vacuum cleaner. Anyway. Welcome to episode four of The Absolute Truth. <sighs> so yeah, I am English. I don't know if you knew that. It's a little bit of a stunning announcement. I'm an English man and um, I have lived in America for permanently for 12 years and then part-time, I'm going to say like 25 years. So... I started making records when I was 15. Um, I got a record deal out of when I was 15 just by sending cassettes off, which is nuts and it's very crazy. Um, and everyone who's in my comments like, you're not even educated. You're right. I don't, didn't even finish high school. No exams, didn't get any GCSEs, didn't get any A-levels, didn't get any A-levels. Zero exams because I left school because I got signed to a record label. I started making music. Uh, the music didn't do very well. And then one day someone was like, wait, the music's good. Your singing is terrible because I'm a terrible singer. Why don't you stop singing? So I stopped singing, st made the instrumental music, and they started playing it in clubs. People that were going to the clubs happened to be, one guy in particular was the son of a very famous director called Ridley Scott. Uh, Jake Scott was going clubbing. He loved clubbing. He loved my music. So he 
because, not because he was the son of Ridley, but he got the film when he was very young uh, with Liv Tyler and the guy from the train spotting that film, Johnny Lee Miller. And it was called Plunkett and McLean. And it was set in the 1500s. And he was like, I want the music to be like modern club music, which was a very bold idea. Uh, full marks to him for that. And uh, so he asked me, because he'd heard my music in clubs, do you want to do the music? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know anything about, I wasn't even into films, really. I just was into music. Um, I'm autistic, so it was like a special interest of mine. So it's only, all I think I cared about was music. Um, so I said, yeah, why not? Like, we can, we can work out how to do it. And uh, so, yeah, I started, I did my first music to picture i loved it the film came out tanked no one saw it no one cared but all the reviews for the film were like this music is crazy though because it's uh, it's a film set in the 1500s and the music's modern club music so it started to get noticed the music not the film and <clears throat> that came to the attention of a guy called david arnold who did the music for all the james bond films and he called me up and said do you want to work on a james bond film bear in mind like 20 20 21 um and i was like oh, okay um so off i trot to air studios in london and i do my first bond film which was called the world is not enough um and that led on to a series of films happening just i just kept getting these big budget and low budget films um and of course the home of movies, the home of entertainment and culture, really, is is America. I mean, if you were to say pick a cultural uh, center point, a cultural hub these days, in many ways, it's like the it's like the Roman Empire. Someone once said to me, if I was born in Roman times, I would want to be in Rome because that's where the center of all culture was. That's where it was the most exciting. And for me, America was the most exciting place to be because it was where all these films were coming from. All my favorite music was from America. So I was really excited when I started getting offers to do films out here. And the first film I did with a friend of mine was called The Bone Collector, and it was with Denzel Washington. And I came out here for the first time ever. We went to New Jersey. They screened the film in New Jersey. Um, so all the audience comes in to watch. They go and watch a normal film. And then as they're leaving, people from the film studio collar them and say, do you want to come and see another film for free? And they're like, yeah, why not? So they get random people in the middle of New Jersey in a blue collar area to go and watch the film and they score it. They say, this is what I like about the film. This is the marks out of 100 for the film. This is a marks out of 100 for the music. This is a marks out of 100 for the Denzel Washington. All the things, they have to score it. And that's how they tell if a film, that's how they judge how much money they're going to spend marketing the film, how popular it is. And... Uh, so yeah, I ended up in New Jersey, um, we had the screening of the film, and then when we were about to leave, me and my friend Craig, about to leave the um, cinema, and there's Denzel Washington there, he'd been sitting there for the whole time with the director, and uh, they were like, do you want to come for dinner? So yeah, bearing in mind I'm 20, 21, and I'm a bit overwhelmed, never been to America, and then suddenly the first night I'm going out for dinner with Denzel Washington, and uh a really famous producer called Marty Bregman, who allegedly had ties to the mob. 
So he took us to this crazy restaurant in Manhattan where we literally went through the kitchen at the back. It was all very like, it was overwhelming for me. So I'm sitting there at dinner. They had all the executives, Denzel Washington. Um, the, uh, I think, wait, Queen Latifah was in it. But wait, no, Angelina Jolie was in it as well. She wasn't there that night, but Queen Latifah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm sitting at the table. I'm a bit overwhelmed. I, I'm a bit like autism again. I don't like social situations. This was overwhelming for me. I was like, oh, this is too much. I don't know what to do. So I started to get like, I guess, withdrawn and quiet and just sort of didn't want to talk to anyone. And uh, Denzel Washington comes out. I think he could tell that I was like, I was very young and was like freaking out a little bit. And he came over and he sat with me and we talked about hip hop for like an hour. And I'll never forget that because he was he was so cool. It was such an such an amazing thing to do looking back on it because he was sitting at the other end. Like, he clocked it and uh, he really wanted me to like he was asking me all about England, asking me about my, you know, how I got into me. It, it was just a crazy thing for him to do. So all this is to cut to um, my first experience of America was amazing. That was my first ever trip here. And then I started to come again we did a film called oceans 11 and i came out here to start oceans 11 with a guy called david holmes and they the film wasn't ready so that i had two weeks in la nothing to do my friend that did the bond films calls me up and goes i'm in la at fox i'm working on a film do you want to come and work on it for two weeks it's a mess they fired the composer it's super low budget um it's funny the director is Ben Stiller. He's never done a film before. So it's like all over the place. But we've got two weeks to do the music. That film is Zoolander. So off I go to Fox. Do the music for Zoolander in two weeks. Don't sleep. Come back. Do Ocean's Eleven. Which was... I was using drugs and drinking at the time. And I should make a whole video about that experience. Because that was the craziest experience of my entire life. Great fun. And and so... Like a... It was like all the excesses of rock and roll on a film. Um, and Steven Soderbergh, the director, was amazing. He was like, just have fun, which never happens on a film. He was like, literally, this here's the film, have fun. And he didn't really interfere. So we had a great time. We just partied and were doing like, I'm going to say drugs, and um, and doing music. And it was great. So this rolled on and... Uh, led to more films out here so this is to say that I was spending half my life in Los Angeles and half my life in London from like 25 to 38 and 38 is when I moved permanently so I always considered America my second home for, for all these years and one time on one of these movie trips I drove from LA to New York because I just wanted to do it um and I loved the middle of America. Now, I, the, the people I was working with all were dismissive of mid-America. It was kind of used to really piss me off. They're like, I was thinking, these people are people that are going to see your films and you, you seem to hate them. And there was just a disdain for everything between New York and L.A. and never understood it. So I wanted to drive across to get a sense of what it was like. And I thought it was amazing. I loved it. People were so much friendlier. It seemed so much more authentic. I loved Texas. I loved Arizona, New England. I went all over the Detroit, Dallas. Um, I just loved the, the, the middle, which is to me very different. As a European, I was like, wait, LA is like a different country from 
Texas, and Texas is like a different country from New York. And New York seems like European. New York seemed quite European to me. Um, yeah, so I loved the, the the diversity and the way you could, you know, just travel and go into a completely different world almost. And um, a side note, they stopped, they don't test films like that anymore. This was in like 1998. So they used to test films to real working people to see who would want to see it. They don't do that anymore because they spend more time injecting an agenda into films than they do focus group into real people. They focus group to each other, which is why nobody goes to the cinema anymore because the films are getting like, becoming irrelevant because people aren't being brought in as part of the process so um 2008 rolls around um my first marriage was falling apart we had um when i came out of rehab i stopped i couldn't do music for a year because it was just too difficult i just couldn't i'd forgotten how to do it so and we needed to make money so we started flipping apartments she was great at it and uh, she's polish and there's a load of polish people in london so we had a connection to contractors so we bought a tiny flat in a very posh area in london and it was literally a hoarder's house it was decimated like 800 square foot flat and while i was in rehab she gutted it completely brought it back to the brick and right and when i came out we started to renovate so we did that three or four times. It was really, it was a really great business. So we would gut these flats, tear out the insides, make them beautiful and put incredible furniture in. Like uh, we would buy like, we spent everything we had on this incredible furniture. And at that time, there were a lot of people from the financial world moving to London, especially to Hampstead where we were. And these guys were bankers and they would come in and just go, I want everything. I want the flat and I want all the furniture. So we were selling the flat and the furniture and marking everything up so we could for for profit so it was our business and it was super successful and we did it with four apartments um on the fourth one uh my ex was like this is gonna be the one that's gonna like make a fortune um i really want to go all out with this one i just had this feeling i was like she wanted to spend everything we'd made from the first three on the which was a lot of money on the fourth one and I had my nerves about it, but I was like, okay, it's worked so far. So go for it. And it was all going great. It was all going really great, except the neighbors hated us and they kept trying to sue us. Apart from that, it was going great. Um, and so we had this beautiful flat. We turned this horrible flat into a beautiful flat. We even put another another floor. It was a top floor flat and we built a whole other floor. Um, so it was a big project. We bought it for a certain amount, put it on the market for like twice as much and people were coming to see it and it was like, okay, thank God, this is going to be great. 2008, does that ring a bell? 2008, credit crunch, market fell down, all the money went away. Uh, so that whole thing fell over. The whole thing fell over. We'd borrowed money for this flat. All the debts were getting called in. We started arguing. It was a very like... Um, we were in a band together so it was like we were working together and living together and we were this kind of toppled everything over a little bit because it was just the pressure of this not being able to sell this house and we, we were having problems up to then but it just became unbearable in the middle of this i get called to go and work on a film called haywire another steven soderbergh film i come out for two weeks this is a long story but i think it's interesting so Two weeks we do the first bit of the film and it's got Gina Carano in it who's 
a super conservative. She was uh, liberal, gone super conservative. I'm trying to get her on the podcast. Um, so yeah, we the Steven Soderbergh goes, okay, uh, I need to reshoot some of this film because some of the I need to pick up some of the shots because it's not right. So you guys um, take the weekend. I'm going to go and shoot with Gina Carano, um, and when I get the scenes together, and then you can finish the film. So I think he was like, have four days off. So he went, had four days off. Come back. He's sitting in the studio going, there's a problem. Okay, what is it? Gina Carano's put on a lot of weight. A lot of weight. That's all he said. And uh, she doesn't, it doesn't match. None of the scenes match. I don't know how this happened. This is a disaster. I can't pick up any shots with her because she looks completely different. So he basically said, we're going to have a running in a, in a, in a sauna doing all this like intense work to like get the weight off so that the shots matched for a few weeks. So just stay. They'd rented us a house. So I found myself in LA with nothing to do. At this point, I was sober. All the people I was working with were big drug takers and big drinkers and big partiers. So I was feeling like, like I wasn't having a great time. Um, and there was the parties going on in the house I was in and I was like going to bed and being all sober and trying to go to meetings. And then I remembered, wait, Hans Zimmer has been trying to get in contact. I'd heard that he'd been trying to get in contact with me on the grapevine because the movie music industry in London is very small. And uh, Hans, I'd heard that he'd been trying to reach out to me. So I thought, I'm going to call him because look, this is unbearable being here, like doing nothing. So I called him up. He said, do you want to come out and meet for coffee? I want to talk to you about some things. I go and meet him. We get on like a house on fire. Just so similar interests we're very similar people very similar musicians and he's like i got um i'm doing a film ron howard film and i've written some songs for the film it's me pharrell um hator who's an incredible um brazilian composer and who else there was someone else famous in it i can't remember dave stewart from the eurythmics and junkie xl that was it uh, and we got these five songs for this film and I don't know what to do with them. They're rough. Do you want to, will you produce these five songs just, you know, as a see how we get on? So I'm like, okay. So I took the songs away and I finished the songs, played them to him and he loved them. He was like, this is great. I'm not going to use them in the film. This is what Hans is like. He'll do something like that and then they'll never see that, which is kind of cool. He just does these experiments and then he puts huge budget experiments. Like that's a big budget of people to get together. And then he's like, I just wanted to try it. I'm not going to use it. But um, he was like, because of this, I want you to come and do this film called Megamind, which was the first big one, um, an animated film. Do you want to do that? And I said, yeah. Um, my life in London's gone to shit I'll, I'll just come in and he goes wait you might as well just move here though because then after Megamind I've got Madagascar and after Madagascar I've got Inception and after Inception I've got Fast and Furious and after Fast and Furious I've got Transformers and after Transformers I've got Paris of the Caribbean and I want you to work on these do you want to move here I was like you know what yeah I do uh, like everything's going bad in London and pfft, there was no films being made in London because the 2008 credit crunch hit every film production so I wasn't getting any work with film. So I moved. Long story short, 2010, I moved permanently. And I came out on what they call an O-1 um, visa, which is a, 
and I like to say this, I love, love saying this because it makes me sound very, very special, but it's not really. But it's a, it's a person of extraordinary ability. Extraordinary <clears throat> person of extraordinary ability. <clears throat> Just saying. Um, anyway, it's easy to go for, easier to go from a visa like that to a green card. Um, so I got that visa and I thought, I'll get a green card. And I think in my head, I was like, I want to live here. I knew I wanted to live here because we have this thing in England that we say people, English people either love or hate LA. There's no middle ground. You either love it or you hate it. No one comes to LA and is like, oh, it's all right. Everyone, most people hate it. Uh, I loved it straight away. I loved it. And I had a good group of friends here as well. So one of those friends is important to the story, which I'll get onto. Colleen is important to the story. So I move here. I vaguely know a girl called Colleen uh, who's like, is American but knows lots of English people in LA and she goes out with a friend of mine who's a producer for a band called Radiohead and so he says so his his girlfriend and I kind of knew Nigel so I moved here and I ended up hanging out with these guys all English people in LA which was weird um, so one of those parties one of the first parties um, I have a friend who's also sober long-term sober and uh I went up to him and I was like, oh, you're here. That's good. You know, we can talk about sober things and be sad together. Not sad. It's actually quite, I like being sober at parties. It's kind of more exciting to me. Um, and he was like, oh, there's someone else here who's sober. And they've only got 50 days, 59 days. I was like, oh, who is it? And he goes, I can't tell you. It's, an, it's anonymous, uh, which I think is, a, he was joking. But anyway, so I'm like, okay, someone here's nearly sober. I So, Turns out it's Colleen's sister, Laura. Um, so we meet. I don't know how we met at the party. We meet and have this great connection. We start going to AA meetings together because she's newly sober. I'm sober. And that blossoms into a relationship, which you we start making content. Now you're probably guys are caught up. 2015, that blows up, blah, blah, blah. End up living here. Two kids who are American now live in it's funny for me to think that both my kids are California kids like it's it's just weird to think that that's it's cool for me because everything American is exotic to me and it's still that way like if I meet someone from middle America I'm like oh that sounds super super exotic and I, I'm not one of those people uh, I, I'm not liberal although I was so like the whole thing about the culture of that there i guess you'd call it the the spirit of a frontier spirit and like the gun culture and stuff like that i find all that exciting and interesting and i i appreciate that american culture and american people are, are they're not they're different they're very different from european people and part of my marriage actually was the process of learning quite how it's weird because we look the same we have the same language but underneath that there's a lot of differences a lot of differences between culturally how we are and uh that was a thing that came up a lot in my in my marriage it was like wow you guys are so not into that or wow you're into something that we're certainly not into it's just odd things um i think europeans are more we we're definitely less we've got less of hang-ups about p 
porn and sex because it's kind of the culture. Like when I was a kid, the, the the newspaper, the national newspaper that everyone bought every day, the national newspaper, all families bought it. It's called The Sun, still going. Um, the Sun, page three, every day, different girl, topless girl, every single day. That was, so I was brought up with that. And so that's how we start as as English people. That's that. And then I realized that in America, it's the, the attitude to things like that is way more, um, it's very different. Like, uh, it's just, that's just one example. And there's lots of other things. We even made a video about it called uh, English versus American. And it went hugely viral. And I was like, wow, this is resonating with a lot of people. And we did like five of them, like just differences between English and American people. And, People loved it, and there's a lot of people who were saying, oh, I'm English and my boyfriend's American or vice versa. So it's just interesting. Um, so today I wanted to talk about kind of... Annabelle said something on the last episode which I found really interesting about um, just the, the history of how America was settled and how it came to be from European immigration you know it's just really fascinating to me so i thought we could expand on this and talk about it because i know a lot of my audience are, are into this whole thing about the differences between american and english american and european should we say and uh, annabelle german did you know that could you tell so as I always say the adult in the room annabelle co-host yeah. co-host that's, that's good isn't it i love that title adult in the room there you go adult co-host for Annabelle. once for <laughs> once yeah see <laughs> usually i'm the the baby or the clown yeah yes. there you go yay so i made now, it you have some very interesting points about this whole european american difference agenda agenda sounds weird what would you say? American, European... Style, uh, style. cultural... Cultural difference? differences? Yeah, differences yeah, 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 in culture, yeah. 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 So you went on a special course. I did. <laughs> I was gifted, privileged enough. on a special course? Um, when we moved here, so because my ex uh, was working for a big company, so they put it in their startup package to give... <laughs> <laughs> the new immigrants um a cultural little rundown on how things work in the u.s and i loved it it was so good our teacher was amazing she lived in both different um worlds you know she knew, knew the europeans inside out and also the u.s culture right. and she gave us some viable tips and wow. i was so grateful because i literally saw so many other europeans coming to the u.s and I don't understand why the Americans they they think I'm rude, but I didn't mean it this way. But right. that cause like released me from yeah. tapping into all these uh, falling into all these little mine uh, minefields um, and like leaving a bad impression for us Europeans. Yeah. For example, um, in the previous episode we talked about you know like a few of those things. But I when I went home I was like oh I should have mentioned the hug. So there's like this difference in hugging, which right. was part of the cause. She said you know how those Europeans do the the kisses, the two kisses on the cheek and a proper hug. Yeah. When you feel the other person's chest. Yeah. You know. Mm. Yeah. 
And in the US, it's like, no, no, no. You like only do this tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Maybe one kiss, if at all, better none. Yeah. And only cheek, like no, no lips and stuff yeah. like that. Because yeah. of that intrusion in the sacred, you know, family unit that yeah. the Americans really don't appreciate because it's so, so vital to protect. So, right. yeah, the avoid, family. avoid too much. <laughs> too much yeah england's different physical. i think england definitely european i've noticed the kissing and the hugging is more pronounced the yeah. further east you go england mm -hmm. we're kind of weird you have to be really close friends with someone and then you do the hug but if you're not yeah england's kind of halfway between america england and is a whole other story anyways yeah. because i used to live in england as well yeah i think i shared with you yeah. in london right so what i think the english um the their biggest way to Kind of like keep people in certain groups is with the accents yeah you know with the oxford and that you know exactly based on the accent who went where to school and mm -hmm. has the queen's english yeah and if you don't yeah you know you're like immediately categorized yep. into classes of your where you went to school to yeah i found that astounding yeah. um my ex always said don't you worry you're like uh, on a completely different level anyways in with England, your german accent the minute you open your mouth a certain <laughs> group a of people are going to hate you and a certain group of people Correct. are going to love you because yeah. they know exactly where you stand on the hierarchical the old money yeah. ladder it's all about yeah. the old money in england absolutely yeah and the sense of humor but that's like a totally class system's story. very strong yeah. in england very strong eh? yeah but it's not based on money old money old money i guess old money. yeah breeding and mm -hmm. uh, like your your it's based more on your answer a lot of upper class people in england are broke yeah but they're still upper class because yeah. they've got a history of money the blue blood yes that's what this is all about yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 interesting yeah a lot of um there's a like an epidemic of people trying to like upkeep these stately manor houses with like ancient 20 bedroom houses and they literally don't have any money and so right. there's like they're all going to ruin because it's got nothing to do with money right it's crazy so interesting yeah so now your course how long was it how long was it it was like a week total seven oh. seven classes okay. Yeah, I'd no, like no homework. <laughs> <laughs> just show up and like take notes. Another thing with the uh, American boss culture, I wanted right. to mention, and I think that's what that course was about. So my ex can conduct himself when there's like business dinners and whatnot. Um, is your American boss will always come across as your best friend, but he's not. Don't you dare think he is because he's coming down on your level. He might wow. wear a shirt and no tie and say, hey, guys, how's it going? But don't you dare correct him, especially not in front of anyone else. And that wow. also counts for schools, by the way. When I studied here, I dared to like question the professor. And I was like, oh, that rule. I remember I did it. Oh, no. Wow. Um, so people, bosses don't want to um, be perceived as more stupid or less informed than the employees and you're never allowed to cross that boundary. And I found that interesting because in Europe, work culture is, you know, when somebody is coming down to, to your level, it's sincere. Mm -hmm. If you're being given freedom, then um, you have the freedom for real, like work, um, what is it? the where you can clock your your time and right. you're being efficient yeah. versus here everybody is supposedly to have the f 
trust that you don't cheat on the clock and whatnot. But don't you dare take vacation. <laughs> Right. It is like a right. There are un, there are unwritten rules and laws, and it looks all very friendly. Again, it's like that thing again. But don't you dare take advantage of it. Interesting. It's not even taking advantage. Don't you even dare? Um, uh, it's like more like a game. I can't explain it. To 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 question the facade, to go behind the facade. There's something to it, though, I have to say, because I'm a producer as right. well. Yeah. And I don't like when when people take liberties and they right. think it's a democracy because in certain right. work environments, you got to have one person who calls the shots yeah. and, um, you know, uh, respect for authority is important. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, when it comes to the government, that's very different again. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed when I first moved here, one thing that really struck me, I don't know if this is an LA thing, but in England, like if you have um, like the people that like accountants, lawyers, people on the more professional side, they, they cut off at six. You can't call anyone after six. Like that's, that's you, you just can't do it. Mm -hmm. But in America, I would call my, when I first moved here, my accountant and she'd be like, at 12 o'clock at night she'd yeah. be on online and i was like i realized that working life here is way more hours way more hours than in england yeah it's so interesting like people don't they're always working there's not the not the set hours so much it's a little bit of a game as well right because imagine like um when the pressure is constantly on with that few vacation times like you remember vacation time in uh, europe yeah. it's much longer yeah. and people literally plan their the other half of the year to do family that's stuff right. and here the work cultures have 20 days or whatever yeah. and that's about it it's a it's a it's a cultural thing because then you know very often people sit at work at the computer look busy you know yeah but then they're on facebook or yeah. instagram yeah 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 just yeah. to like have time tick so you always you appear as eager busy ready to go and that comes in the end of the day also from the labor laws and the hire and fire culture so the labor laws in europe are a lot different you're yeah. protected and yeah. here it's like if you don't if you're not the best yeah go. there's always more, like a yeah. hundred people waiting for your spot yeah but that's why it's also i mean there's pros and cons to to running a business with this motto because yeah. if you have a more cutthroat environment you yeah it's pros and cons to both yes yeah, more believe. competitive here for sure yeah here, for, for you jobs. create differently yeah. as well yeah and I the thinking is bigger i feel uh, not feel i know for sure that americans think completely out of the box which i love so yeah. very much as a german in yeah. particular where everything's oh, <laughs> don't dare to dream yeah and in england yeah they do this thing where um if you're successful in england they want you to fail yeah they want to cut you down yeah. if you've got a really nice car someone will scratch it with a key yeah they don't have that here the no. tall poppy syndrome is it's not so much the here. opposite that's they appreciate it why yeah uh, uh, Europeans who have the opportunity to experience both, I think, really appreciate it here. Yeah, because I do that like limit that. is gone. Yeah, and the jealousy is yes. reduced. They applaud success here a lot yeah. more than yeah. in England, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if the, the the another thing that I think really affects America in terms of like working and the whole thing is the fact that there's no there's no free healthcare. 
so you have to work people like, the, the one of the things that really did blew my mind when i came here people take their health insurance as part of their pay package as like an import so in england you say oh i make this much a year at my job yeah and that's it but yeah. here it's like i make this much a year but i get health insurance it's all kind of put in but wait a second I think we should do an extra episode on the whole healthcare yeah. theme because this is so deep. In Germany, supposedly, that's supposed we have, we have fantastic healthcare. However, between four and seven hundred euros a month go to healthcare, so it's not free. I know that it's yeah. a big drain on the pocket. Versus here in America, there is Medicare, which is for low-income families free so there is a free healthcare service and i'm not prepared for this discussion today but i think we should look into this because yeah there's medicare for people who are on welfare they get wow. medicare i didn't know that yeah not everybody maybe i think this country is very much geared for single moms right okay to you know if you have like minor dependence and all of that that features but it's there is free healthcare for people wow. it's probably crappy right? right because you have to wait a long sure. time but there is at least an option you have to wait a long time in england for any when you have to yeah. wait a long time in germany as well if you don't have a private insurance right yes yeah, the same yeah huh. we should look into this and really compare it because the narrative and the fuss that is being made about obamacare and this and that we should like really examine that i think it would be interesting yeah healthcare is a good one I want to talk about the Nazis in America. Yes, please. We always like to talk about the Nazis. <laughs> because this is a conspiracy, you know, yeah. theme. Let's call it what it is. It's Red like Rumble. Yes. Yeah. Rumble. Uh, and anything war and conspiracy related when it comes to Europeans. I mean, I think we all know with the origins and the the first settlers and all of that. But I find... In particular, the Nazi history. Very interesting when yeah. it comes to the Europeans in America. Interesting. And I want to mention one more thing uh, that relates to that. When I arrived in America, I'm from a generation where because of World War II, you know, as from early on, fifth grade, every year in history, we would go into these intense um you know holocaust world war ii uh, history lessons every year every new semester it was always about world war ii and and really dealing with the history and and i can say i, I truly carried an inbuilt guilt complex with me both of my grandparents were involved right. it was that generation right and my grandma was very bitter she was too young to know better, and by the end of the war, too old to get away with having been a, a Bund Deutscher Mädchen, which was kind of like the YMCA for the Hitler Youth. Wow. Right? And okay. she was like a leader, but it started when she was 12, and it was over wow. when she was, whatever, like 16, 17. So did she have repercussions about that? Oh, after? my goodness. Uh, not Well, she could never talk about it again. Right. Imagine if that was your pride and joy of yeah. your life and everything yeah. you've done, and you were in the handball team and yeah. la, 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 and your husband was like a low, whatever, ranking soldier right he was wow. he had a brown uniform right wow. he was a nazi soldier Interesting. what do you talk about right yeah it was on a few uh, occasions i know she 
did not despise Hitler, but it was never talked about. When I was a teenager, I challenged her sometimes um, to find out more. She didn't want to talk about it, but would make like a very, very bitter, hostile comment about that. Not everything that Hitler did was bad. Right. And I think it was to justify yeah. to, to be alive in this yeah. time. And they were in a propaganda state. The stuff they were being given. Was absolutely. The, abs yeah, I can totally see it. And I, I mean, can only recommend there's a recording. Maybe you should put it in here. The Nuremberg Reichstag meeting, uh, the Nuremberg meeting, Hitler speaking to the youth, to the German youth. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that Leni Riefenstahl, the famous German filmmaker, filmed it. So it's like the mega propaganda wow. piece. And you see all these like what oh, it moved me so deeply when I watched that to see those kids yeah. in their starched uniforms yeah, and the, the hairstyles, you know, like with that Hitler hairstyle yeah. and, and stuck on, no hair sticking out. And their eyes were sparkling when he spoke to them that they are the hope and the future yeah. of the country. And, you know, you're like 11 years old and you think this is all true. And yeah. the guy, you know, he was a trained performer. Hitler was given acting lessons to really bring the point across. I mean, he was an incredible, like, speaker he like, was yeah i mean it's insane <clears throat> and obviously i don't obviously i'm completely against everything he ever stood for but if you just take out the message and just watch right i can see why people were so like enthralled by it. trained to do it i also want to throw in here you know the germans and their fame with being technically versed Put yourself for a second in a world where there was never a radio never a tv and never the beatles right never a mega rock mm. band and concerts and what you experienced right. no hollywood nothing and it's the first time after you come out of you know you like the streets are littered with littered the, the streets are full of world war one veterans with like missing jaws and like in oh. little carts without legs and there's no health insurance and the country is like um poor and and um you know feels what was it last word um when you like disrespected no but it is another word oppressed no, no when you are ashamed when you're made to be feel like you're the sore loser and the stupid like the oh right no, ridiculed, ridiculed ridiculed yeah right and wasn't germany uh, like economically in a terrible state exactly yeah. so in comes that um fire dragon and has the volksempfänger stuff you know the propaganda machine for the very first time in the world with the technical um, expertise of the German that put it into every household, right? Oh, think about the excitement of the technical wonder. Yeah. A voice coming out in your living room. And then the only voice that's coming out there is Adolf Hitler telling yeah. you what's up.
Und wir möchten nun, dass ihr deutsche Jungs und deutsche Mädchen in euch all das aufnehmt, was wir der eins und von Deutschland hoffen. Wir wollen ein Volk sein. Und ihr, meine Jugend, sollt dieses Volk nun lernen. Wir wollen einst keine Klassen und Stände mehr sehen. Und ihr dürft sie in euch schon nicht mehr groß werden lassen. Wir wollen einst ein Reich sehen. Und ihr müsst euch schon dafür erziehen. Wir wollen, dass dieses Volk einst gehorsam ist. Und ihr müsst euch in dem Gehorsam üben. Wir wollen, dass dieses Volk einst friedliebend und aber auch tapfer ist. Und ihr müsst friedfertig sein. again Germany speaks to the world from the Nazi party rally, not only with the voice of her politicians, but with the swinging rhythm of a mighty show. And more than 50,000 girls of the youth corps turn the giant Zeppelin stadium into a field of human poppies. those gatherings because now you can gather people and they are there standing like so many people uh, for the first time having these mega mass events and mm. loudspeakers and the technical know-how yeah. you know and film and all of that at the same time and they there's you know reports all the women you know were an integral part because he was kind of like the first rock star pop star right. as well and nobody wanted to leave they were like screaming in ecstasy yeah. and people peed right there wow. because they didn't want to leave and miss anything wow. on the spot so just think about that for the first yeah. time we forget yeah how how powerful this is so i don't know why you could ever um i don't i, I don't see why if you were a kid and that was going on, that cult of personality was around you, how could you not? You couldn't not. There were some who did not like the really? vice. There were many resistance movements, okay. the, the White Rose, um, and th these were the youth, right, right? Who was like doing little flyers, handing it out, and they were executed. Yeah. The um, Sophie Scholl and the Scholl family. Oh man, it's making me actually emotional. Wow. Um, and many others. Um, but obviously they were against the, the way the system was built. Anyways, cut a long story short, as a German in my generation, we were very, 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 very much educated about this again and again and had this inborn guilt complex. Um, and wherever I went, like in England already, I was like, oh, don't mention the war, Monty <laughs> Python. Yeah. There was, you know, always this like, ah, the Germans. 
There's um, a, we should we should definitely put in. I'll send you a clip. Don't classic that. where that comes from. That comes my from my in-laws. A, 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 first comment yeah. from the granddad yeah. who is an Englishman said, yeah. "Oh, a German." Don't mention don't the mention war. The war. Yes. Do you, have you ever seen that show? Where of it course, comes from? Oh I love British comedy so much. Anyway, exactly forty towers. So coming to America, so I was prepared to be hated especially with a large Jewish community. I've never met any Jewish people in Germany. Right. Do you know that? Yeah. Only at drama school for the first time when we had a Holocaust survivor coming in there and holding a speech about rescuing children. Yeah. So when I came here, I was totally prepared. Oh, here comes the German hatred again. But people were so different for the first time in my life. They were like, oh, what's your problem? Relax. You know, like I have a German grandma. I have an Oma. I have an Opa. So I found out that the 17% um, uh, of the of the Americans have German descent in them, like are of German right. descent. Interesting. So they released me. The Americans released me of that. Oh, feeling bad just being German yeah. wherever I go and like yeah I know I know yeah. and also my especially my Jewish friends I um, went to the Strasbourg um, Lee Strasbourg I worked with graduates on a play and directed them and there was a bunch of Israelis they were so sweet like Israelis that had moved here and work here and all of that and that was a that was a real important time in my life to see that the story we are being told there here in America, it all kind of dissolves. Yeah. It's, it's way more healed. And but then again, you know, the the history with the slavery here. So it's yeah, it's just the American thing. Don't hold on too long. Yeah. Did you you naturalized, aren't you? That's what they call yeah. it. When you become a citizen. Yeah. I'm a Me citizen. too. Yeah, I remember when you had your ceremonies recently. Right? Yeah, yeah, recently. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. That was crazy with all the little American flags. Yeah, mine was <laughs> not good. Was it not? No. Oh no! Yeah, what happened? It's such a disaster. It took forever. Yeah, mine for too. Ever and ever. I was just looking. Man, this is America. The line goes around, and there's like families with children, grandmas, and no chair, no nothing. Right. And people literally like one centimeter at the yeah. time and i was i felt so bad for all the old people yeah no chair no no yeah. water nothing <sighs> the test that they'd give you to know about american yeah. things i'd asked various american people those questions and none of them could answer the questions and they were like i can't believe you have to know that i can't believe i passed it either I, i'm sure they i don't know congratulations i don't know if i, I, know if I did <laughs> i reckon that the guy gave me a, a yeah they were good I appreciated it, actually. I didn't know anything about that. I you know what's interesting? I was supposed to have my um, test before COVID happened. And I was like, I don't know anything because I was never interested in politics. And because I had, you know, signed off on politics a long time ago when I was a teenager, looking at newspapers, thinking this is all a smokescreen. Like now I have a thousand more questions. Right. reading this article than I had before yeah. and when I start looking and we didn't have Google at the time you know then I find all these gates where the information is hidden so whatever I, I read books you know I follow my information in a different way yeah anyways why did I come up with this a little funny story I've got is uh, I went to the American Embassy to get my green card mm -hmm. so um, 
you give they give you two green cards they give you a conditional green card which mm-hmm. is if you get arrested or whatever you're hoofed out and then that goes to a permanent green card that changeover i had to go to england you can't get it in america you have to be in your country oh. so i flew from now i was in the middle i just started working with hands and i was in the middle of a film my one the second film with him so i really wanted to do a good job and in the middle of it i had to fly back to england so we were working on a different time zone and uh, i was in limbo for like three or four weeks and i was like my marriage is gone my flat isn't selling i'm stuck in and i was staying with a friend of mine that i used to be in a relationship with and that was weird everything was weird and i was like if i don't get this green card my whole life is fucked because I, yeah. I lose the film. I have to be back here. Nothing's here. Um, so it was all really, there was a real high stakes that mm-hmm. I got this super high stakes. And Yikes. one day I'm walking through the park and I get, a, I get an email. I'm, I literally emailing my immigration guy every day. Like, what's going on? What's going on? I get an email. Um, good news. It's done. You can fly back uh, on Monday, but you need to go to the embassy and to get your passport stamped. Mm-hmm. Same thing, massive line mm-hmm. in the middle of London, the American Embassy, huge lines. And I was, got there at like 7 a.m. and I got my ticket and my ticket was like 406 or something. <laughs> so I go and sit in the waiting room. The number is 20. So I'm like 406, <laughs> 20. Okay, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 406. It goes from 24 to my number. And I'm like, this is bad. There's no way this is good. Uh-huh. Like if it goes directly to my number forget it there's no way that this is good so i sort of go in thinking okay something's up like this why do they want to see me so quick turns out the guy was a huge Mahan zimmer fan oh, he's perfect. like oh i just wanted to say yeah i just wanted to say hi what film are you working on so that was my so like that was amazing entry like that was the first like when i'm like i live here i got my green card that was a really nice little entry but yeah i it was i thought i was going to be there all day it was just lucky that this guy happened to be a film music fan yeah but you're kind of lucky anyway yeah. with all your stuff that's going on it's with the, all the good and the bad and the ugly and yeah. the, um but there's also a lot of good that's coming your way yeah. um so when i did prop uh, p- pre-covid lockdown and all of that no idea about how the american system and senate and this and that works i looked at those questions no i don't know anything yes but then covid happened right lockdown our meeting our interview got postponed for actually two years and because i had too much time on my hand as so many other americans too to do (laughs) research I, over the political aspect, you know, when it was this whole, like, wait a second, wait a second, something's fishy. You know, I was one of those people who started doing research. Wait a second, wait a second. And so I, through the COVID lockdown and um, George Floyd and all of what happened there in history was like, okay, this is the time where I have to educate myself about America and how it all works. And then when I just recently, you know, found, hey, so last time my interview was scheduled, um, that was two years ago, and then lockdown happened. Can we reschedule? So I revisited all these questions, and I knew pretty much all oh, of them. Oh, so you, yeah. You <laughs> because I took an interest. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But not via, via the, you know, old school um, ways, but with what we had before the cancel culture went haywire with with google there was still i literally saw the internet 
lockdown at Google in particular and all these pressing storylines that weren't adding up with my uh, common sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We had a good... To, uh, at some point this week, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after, I'm going to show you my interview with Conservative Ant, which was amazing yesterday. We were talking about that and just how, yeah, how you're, you're shut down. We were talking about the, sh- the shutdown of certain avenues, especially on Google, mm. and it's true. Yeah. It was horrifying to see it go down. You know, wait, that was still available? Right. Not available. Not available. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've it's done that a done. lot recently, haven't you, with the research? All stuff. the time, yeah. but it's already over. There's no yeah. more stuff available right. even. You know, when I started, it was like 2020. There was still so much stuff openly available. Right. No problem, like archival old videos of controversial topics. And I hear DuckDuckGo is better. Yeah, and Isn't then there's right? Yandex and blah, blah, blah. Huh. Another Another episode. Yeah. This time we're speaking about Europeans and America. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go down the. Uh, I'm scared of the d- people like the. Don't d- want to go down the, the where? The, the the idea of the dark web is terrifying to me. I would never because you that's a, that's available for. I know you can buy drugs there. I Just know buy drugs. you can you can order a There's murder no could I there. Really, of I, course. I won't go anywhere Snuff near for the drugs stuff. Oh, you stay away from that. No, yeah, but do you oh. ever have to go there for research? No. Uh, I mean, yeah. Now I have to. Now I have to for our episode. Wow, nuts! Happy to do it. Yes, but I'm also freaking out a little bit. Careful, yeah. Yeah. Guys, we did it. We did another episode. Episode two. Wait. It's episode four. Wait. Um, there's going to be a lot more episodes coming. We're picking up things. Pick things are picking up. Things are picking up. Lots of interesting things going on, as you're going to see. But until tomorrow. Love you guys. Bye.